This episode of Software Engineering Daily is part of our on-site coverage of AWS reInvent 2023, which took place from November 27th through December 1st in Las Vegas. In today's interview, host Jordi Mon Companies speaks with Ankur Merotra, who is the director and GM of Amazon SageMaker. This episode of Software Engineering Daily is hosted by Jordi Mon Companies. Check the show notes for more information on Jordi's work and where to find him. Hi, Anka. Welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hi, Jordi. Thanks for having me. So we are here at AWS reInvent 2023. We are containerized. We are literally inside a container, which is quite fun. Is this your first reInvent? It's not. So yeah, this is probably my, I would say, fifth, fourth or fifth reInvent. Yeah, but it's always, you know, super exciting to be here and meet with customers you know, all the launches and celebrations. So yeah, it's awesome. So what is your charter at AWS? Yeah, so I am the general manager for an AWS service called Amazon SageMaker. And SageMaker is our service for end-to-end machine learning development. And I've been at Amazon for about 15 and a half years. Wow. Worked across both our consumer side of our company, Amazon.com, as well as AWS. And before managing the Amazon SageMaker service. I was managing a few of our AI services, including AI services for personalization and forecasting, edge machine learning, health AI, and some of our programs such as DeepRacer. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. So your experience is actually perfect for this question, because I know that this question is going to be not necessarily wrong, but limited, because Adam, the CEO of AWS, said in the Tuesday in the opening keynote that AWS has been investing in AI for ages now. I think he said something like 20 or 25 years. Yes. Me not being an expert in AI and that field, I've been aware and exposed to it, but my experience comes from DevOps, software engineering, application delivery, and so forth. I would trust that statement that the CEO made was true because I know for a fact that SageMaker is an AI or an ML product that has been there forever, at least in terms of AI, and the age of AI has just started. But I think your experience will tell me that, yes, Jordi, of course, SageMaker has been there for six, seven years, but AWS has been doing more before that, right? Yeah, so it's interesting. So it is true that you know Amazon has been doing machine learning since quite some time now, over two decades. In fact, one of the earliest machine learning-based feature that was launched on Amazon.com about 25 years ago was this feature called Customers Who Bought This Also Bought That. And yeah, that was just the beginning. And since then, you know, Amazon has been investing in machine learning-based solutions and solving different problems using machine learning. And through that process, you know, we've learned a lot. And whether it's the undifferentiated heavy lifting involved in taking data, building models, or the operational challenges with deploying and scaling models at scale. And because of those learnings, you know, we were able to, over a period of time, really develop the technology to reduce the burden on developers who want to do machine learning. And what we found was that a lot of our AWS customers were also facing the same yeah. challenges. So they asked us, like, hey, can you help us solve some of these problems. So that's what led to us building Amazon SageMaker. So 
I don't know if Jeff Bezos ever defined it in such a way, but the flywheel effect has such a strong component of, of dog fooding yes. that it's absolutely brilliant that you guys dog fooded this for yourselves, right? So you had your internal clients requesting a lot of data training, operations behind that, and yet at the same time, the market, your clients were demanding this. So it was the perfect mixture for you guys to deliver eventually SageMaker. Absolutely. You know, we felt the pain as we were, exactly. you know, over the years, as we were doing machine learning at Amazon. Yeah. And that led us to solve problems for ourselves. And then, you know, we thought, well, why not solve it for others as well and for AWS customers? So and it's been a great journey. Our, you know, today, Amazon SageMaker is used by tens of thousands of AWS customers, and we're also super excited about our capabilities that we continue to launch. So before we move on to what you announced, because there's a lot to unpack about SageMaker at this AWS reInvent. In fact, I would argue it was like 10% of Adam's keynote on Tuesday at least, and he talked about everything, literally everything that's going on in AWS, which yeah. is uncoverable by a podcast or an episode, which is a lot. But first, at breakfast, Monday morning, I sit with someone that I don't know, and the guy talks to me about that he has been using SageMaker for years now, I think three or four, to train the data pipelines that his company is building and feeding with computer vision data. So before we move on to the latest and greatest of SageMaker, give us a lay of the land of what problems and what capabilities and use cases has SageMaker been solving for before the Gen AI revolution. Right. So if you look at the machine learning workflow or lifecycle, there are various steps involved in that. So right from taking the data, preparing it, or transforming it into a format which you can use to, to build machine learning models, and then comes the phase where you want to build a machine learning model. There's a lot of experimentation involved there and prototyping until you have something that you really like. And then taking that model and then deploying it so that you can do inference and use the model in, in an application. And then, you know, once you've deployed it, there are processes that you want to automate, right? Because you may want to update the model with more data, or you may want to automatically deploy any updated models. So ML ops in yeah. that process becomes really important. And then Recently, you know, ML governance has become also very important as machine learning is being used to solve more and more mission-critical problems. How you make sure that the model is doing what it's supposed to do is also becoming important. So there are many steps in the machine learning lifecycle, and what we realized was that each of these steps require tools that are purpose-built yeah. for that step or for that task. So that's what you know, we've done with SageMaker, we've worked backwards from the problems or the challenges our customers face at every step of the machine learning journey, mm -hmm. and then built tools to solve those problems and build them in a way where they all work with each other. You know, one of the great things that our customers love about SageMaker is that the whole is greater than the sum of parts. It's well integrated together, and one of the feedback that we got from our customers is that a lot of times when they're using bespoke tools, you know, these tools don't talk to each other and they, our customers have to spend a lot of time trying to connect these tools so that they can work together. So that has been a problem, a key problem we've solved with SageMaker and it has really resonated with our customers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the slides that Adams shared was the just logos of companies using SageMaker and it was 
patent from just a glance that there were not only huge companies that for me is not that relevant, but representatives of many different verticals, like the variety of data types that SageMaker is digesting and presenting in models is just amazing from healthcare, banking, finance, insurance, and so forth. So it is definitely used in a wide variety of verticals, if not every single vertical out there. So then that was the classical bit of history of and a description of how SageMaker works. What has changed with the introduction of LLMs? That's the question. What has changed in this description of the landscape in which SageMaker operates? Yeah, that's a great question. So what's interesting is that there are some things that remain relevant, even with the Genii revolution or whatever you may call it. So for example, you know, given the size and complexity of these models, scalability, performance, and you know, also the security aspects of how you do machine learning, that is more important than ever before. Yeah. And what's interesting is that with SageMaker, those are some of the things that we have been investing in since day one. So when GenAI models started becoming popular, we were from a capability perspective, we were ready in many ways. At the same time, you know, there are also new things that customers need with GenAI models and new kind of tools to manage the end-to-end -end LLM workflow, if you will. So for example, as... These are models that already exist and other customers want to use them as is, deploy them, and then use them in a scalable way. Yeah. Or, you know, customize them, fine-tune them, augment them, and then use them. So one of the questions that our customers have been asking is like, hey, how do I help decide what model to use? There's mm -hmm. so many. So that's for that, we thought about, okay, well, how do we solve this problem? And one of the launches that we'll just yeah. talk about helps solve that model evaluation and selection problem. So yes, before we would jump into that, which is a very nifty feature that you guys have launched, and we will talk about it. Is it fair to say then that the models itself, large language models, are more data intensive and are more difficult to operationalize than the more traditional ML models that we've described a minute ago? Is that a fair statement, do you reckon? Are they orders of magnitude bigger in those terms than the ones before, and that in itself is a huge challenge for which, well, AWS was ready or not? Yes, that's correct. I okay. mean, these models are built with, you know, billions or tens of billions or even hundreds of billions of parameters, and they're much larger in size. They require the more compute intensive. So yeah, they're more both in terms of scale and complexity and resource needs they're more demanding. So exactly. This says, again, I'm not an expert, like I said at the beginning, and this problem that I'm about to describe, I wasn't aware of, but it turns out that during the training process, the training process leverages an incredible amount of accelerators, whether they are GPUs or not is irrelevant, or maybe it's not, you tell me, but let's say that they're all GPUs. If one of those falters, all the process might be messed up. So I didn't know that. I thought there would be built-in resiliency to those processes. And you guys have provided it with one of the announcements that you would do. So please describe in better detail what the problem looks like, the one that I just butchered in my description, and what did you announce to solve that? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, model training is not new. But with GenAI models, given the scale at which GenAI models are trained at, there are certain challenges that only appear at that scale. So for instance, GenAI models, given the size of the data used to train them and the models themselves, 
you know, don't fit on a single GPU or a single accelerator, right? So typically, you need to use a cluster of accelerators or accelerated instances to train them. And some of these models use hundreds or thousands of accelerators. And uh, I'm laughing because the scale of this is just unfathomable. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And so the first challenge that our customers run into is like, hey, how do I efficiently distribute the data and the model across this cluster of accelerators? And how do we do that efficiently so that you know I'm able to you know, accelerate my model training and also improve utilization of all the resources that are available in the cluster? So that sort of becomes a challenge where how do you partition the data and yeah. the model, distribute it? How do you make these accelerators talk to each other? Yeah, coordinate, think, yeah. Yeah, so think of it also as a traffic management yeah. problem. If you can optimize traffic management within the cluster, you can actually optimize model training or make it go faster. So that is one key challenge. And then also these are models that you know, that continue to be trained or need to be trained over a period of weeks or even months. So to train these models, you often then have to sort of pause, inspect, optimize your code, and then start from where you left off. So you have to also continue to sort of save your progress as you go. Version control, maybe, could be a good... In a way, yes. So we call it checkpointing. Yeah, and snapshots, right. yeah, checkpointing. Exactly. Okay. And then because of the size of the cluster that's used to train these models, invariably, some of the other infrastructure issue, or let's say an accelerator failure, can really you know, disrupt your entire training process. And then you have to spend time, instead of actually research and development, you have to spend time going and troubleshooting infrastructure issues, fixing them, and then finding ways to then restart everything, right? So you end up losing you know, a lot of time and resources, right? And right now, time to market is everything with these models. So if you're losing time, that can have a big impact on your business. So we looked at these problems and we've tried to sort of work backwards from them to launch Amazon SageMaker HyperPod, which we just announced this week. So happy to tell you more about that. Yeah, so So, HyperPod is trying to solve this problem that you just described, right? Yes. So how does it work? Yes, so... First of all, HyperPod makes it easy for you to set up this cluster of accelerated instances or accelerators. And it's got, you know, we've got, we've integrated SageMaker's distributed training libraries in there, which make it easy for you to distribute or partition data and model and parallelize model training efficiently across your training cluster. And that helps you speed up model training and improve the utilization of the resources in your cluster. It helps you continue to sort of save your model progress through checkpointing as you go. It gives you tools such as Amazon, you know, SageMaker Profiler and TensorBoard so you can debug model performance as you go. You can look at, hey, where am I wasting GPU cycles? Where can I optimize my code? So all of that information you have at hand for the improved model training. And then also SageMaker HyperPod automatically monitors the health of the cluster all the time. And it can automatically detect if there's an infrastructure issue, let's say an accelerator failed. And it's able to automatically determine why it failed, what is the type of the error, and could this be fixed by just restarting the instance, Which is very typical. Fairly typical. Or do I need to actually just replace this faulty node, right? 
and it does the remediation, whatever action needs to be taken, it does that automatically. And then also then automatically resumes the model training process. So in some sense, you get a self-healing training cluster, and this provides almost like a zero-touch training experience for training these models. I was interviewing in the same studio three hours ago, John Willis, and when I asked him about the future of LLMs and so forth, he refused to say anything because he said he was not a wizard, that he doesn't predict the future that much. Now, he said that in the past, he had come across this wave of ML ops that we were describing before, and now AI ops, if you wish, that you just described. And he said, look, Hadoop, for example, is still and was definitely in the past a fantastic project, a product, if you wish. But even the Krakasov team, the best team in the best bank out there, would have an incredible amount of work and if not an innumerable number of problems to set it up to keep it running, to expand it when needed, to contract it when not needed, to make it idle and so forth. So the fact that SageMaker is able to operationalize this in an automated fashion like you just described is just incredible. So I can see how that problem is going to delight many of your customers, yeah. Absolutely. Look, like there are many things about AI that we cannot predict right now, given how fast things are changing, okay. right? But there are things that we know will continue to be true. So for example, I don't think, you know, we know that the the models, the Gen AI models that exist right now are the worst they'll ever be. They're only going to get better. (laughs) Yeah, right. And we know that none of our customers is going to come to us and say, well, I wish it was, you know, it was harder to train these models or I wish, you know, it costs more to do my work on SageMaker. So there are dimensions along which we're, which we know that we need to continue to improve on. And so, you know, we continue to innovate on those. At the same time, you know, we're always listening to our customers and looking at where the space is growing, you know, where the innovation is. And we're proactively also building features to, to support, you know, the latest and greatest in the space. Talking about models, one thing that I have realized, and I'm not necessarily in your position listening to customers, but it's quite obvious from a user perspective, like an individual user, but I'm sure that the corporations and all the AWS clients are asking, it is confusing right now what model to pick, right? Not necessarily confusing. It's not easy. So I think that you've also announced a feature of SageMaker, a new feature that will help users of SageMaker pick the right model for them, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we've announced foundation model evaluations as part of SageMaker Clarify. So our customers told us that, you know, the choice of models, like you mentioned, is increasing. And also when you change these models by, let's say, fine-tuning them, right, the model characteristics can change. So how do customers figure out what's the best model to use when and for which use case? Right. That is difficult. That, it is difficult. And some of the public benchmarks that are available yeah. for some of the pre-trained models, they're sometimes too academic in nature. And yeah. you know, and they don't always reflect, uh, they're not representative of your use case, right? The data that you may put into the model. You know, so we work backwards from this problem that our yeah. customers were facing, and we've launched this new capability. So the way this works is that you can pick any model, either one of the pre-built models within that are discoverable within SageMaker or any other model. Mm-hmm. And you can select the dimensions 
along which you want to evaluate these models. So this can be things like accuracy, toxicity, bias, semantic robustness, Mm. etc. And then you can either use built-in public prompt data sets to evaluate these models, or you can provide your own prompt data set. So for example, if you think that the application that will use these models is going to provide unique input, yeah. You know that is not captured by other public data sets, then you can provide your own prompt data sets. And then this capability then automatically runs evaluations with those prompt data sets yeah. for those you know dimensions for these models, and then generates a comprehensive model evaluation report that you can refer to. And that will show you how the model performed on each of those dimensions. It'll show you what were the prompts for which the, the score was the lowest, and then that can help you select you know, the model that you want to use. In fact, there are also things that are hard to evaluate automatically. So for example, if you're building a chatbot, yeah. you may want the chatbot to be more friendly or less friendly. You may care about the tone or some other creative aspect of the model. Mm -hmm. So these things are hard to evaluate automatically. So this capability also now supports human evaluations, which is powered by SageMaker Ground Truth, which is an existing SageMaker capability for human-in-the-loop machine learning. And so you can provide instructions for how the output of the model should be evaluated. And you can either provide your own workforce that can use SageMaker Ground Truth tools to provide feedback and create this evaluation report, or you can also use a managed workforce option that SageMaker Ground Truth provides, where you don't have to even you know bring yeah. people to to provide feedback. SageMaker handles that automatically. So oh okay yeah oh wow I didn't expect that last bit. So then clients that want to approach incorporating LLM models to their own applications or, or services or the ones that have their own and want to improve their the operations bit of it. I mean, SageMaker and these two features that, that were just announced here, those that have trouble figuring out what the correct model is, they can do so in the, the fashion that you've just described. Those that have problems scaling and having a reliable infrastructure to during the training and the snapshotting and the evaluation of those each one intermediate bits have a solution with hyperpod what else have you announced i know you've got and i'll link to the show notes a press release with a myriad in a, in a very aws fashion in an overwhelmingly good fashion you've announced way more things but there was another thing that caught my attention that we've spoke before the interview what was it yeah so you know talked about training, we've talked about model selection. Now, when it comes to model deployment, we looked at what are some of the unique challenges our customers are facing with with Gen AI models. So what we found was that our customers today take a model and they deploy it on, they spin up an instance and deploy it on an instance and they can set up auto-scaling rules for those instances. But oftentimes there are more accelerators available on the instance than a model actually requires. So you may deploy a model, let's say, that needs four accelerators, mm-hmm. but some of our, you know, let's say P4 instances have eight accelerators on them. So that can lead to some of the resources or accelerators being wasted. Yeah. So now we've launched a new capability where you can keep adding models to one inference endpoint and SageMaker automatically arranges or allocates accelerators 
to multiple types of models on the same instance. Oh, okay. And so it's kind of like in the background, it's playing Tetris with <laughs> to you know fill with these all models, the gaps. fill fill all the gaps, and then also as. And you can keep doing that with more and more models. Yeah. And what SageMaker will do is, based on the traffic that each model is receiving, you know, it'll dynamically oh, load unload models. Okay. It can evict a model that's not being used right now, and then it can also auto scale at a per model level. So let's say if model A, there are three models on an instance, model A, B, and C. Yeah. If model A is getting more more traffic or inference requests. It'll spin up another instance automatically, but it'll all only start loading model A rather than wasting resources okay. by also loading models that don't need to scale up. So what we found is is helping our customers reduce cost to deploy these foundation models by fifty percent on average. So that's a huge cost saving, especially if we consider that the inference part, training models, deploying them takes a lot of the attention, but the usage of models, the running the inference is actually the, it is the outcome of a model that you're interested in, right? Or your clients, right? And that is a completely constant request for resources in the back end, right? So that is a really consuming effort that Absolutely. optimizing must be the obsession of everyone. Absolutely. And, you know, cost matters here, and this is what this capability provides. In addition to cost, another problem this solves is latency is also important, right? Because if you're building an application that is interactive in nature, you want it to be snappy. You want the inference request to have low latency. What happens with Gen AI models is that with predictive models earlier, the latency for inference were more, more or less predictive. Yeah. You're making a prediction, roughly the inference latency would be in a particular range. With Gen AI models, it really depends on the kind of task you're giving to the mm. model. So for example, if you asked it a question that requires only a single line answer, latency will be fairly low. It'll, it just spits out an answer and it's done. But if you're asking it to write a blog or a poem, then it can take much longer to generate a response. So the traditional way of randomly routing inference requests to different instances can lead to unpredictable latencies because you may end up routing it an inference request to an instance that's, you know, maybe processing an inference request that's going to take longer. Yeah. So as part of, you know, these inference capabilities, we've also launched a new smart load-aware routing uh, mm -hmm. capability where SageMaker automatically monitors the load on each of the instances that are behind the inference API or on the endpoint. Yeah. And it automatically routes it to an instance that is either idle or will spend, you know, or is going to be pretty quickly to, to generate a, a response. So on average, that reduces inference latency by 20%. Wow, that's fascinating. This next question is a bit beyond your remit, your your charter here at AWS, not here, but at AWS is uh, SageMaker. And the beauty of SageMaker is that it abstracts you from picking and knitting together a solution, not only a custom solution, but also within the myriad of services that AWS offers, right? SageMaker is probably a combination of those. So, so this would be my question. What are of all the different hardware announcements that were made here at AWS reInvent 2023, software announcements, foundational models, which ones are the ones that SageMaker is leveraging the most? And yeah, which one is SageMaker wrapping? I know SageMaker is a project, a product in itself, but which of the services announced uh, here are the ones that is taking more advantage from? 
Yeah, so let's talk about hardware yeah, announcements, for right? So we we've announced new hardware options, which yeah. will be available uh, next year. So this includes new NVIDIA GPU options as well as Trainium Two. So with SageMaker, Trainium. Let's remind everyone that it's uh, an AWS built. Yes, it's an AWS at AWS. We've designed Trainium as a for machine learning. And it's optimized for machine learning. So that's a bold uh, bet, huh? Yeah, and we're. You know, we announced that we'll be launching Trainium 2 Correct. next year. So with SageMaker, we really believe in you know, providing choice of hardware options, compute instance options to our customers. So as these hardware options become available on AWS, you can expect that they'll also become available as part of SageMaker for SageMaker customers as well. Okay, so what is next for SageMaker? I mean, you've announced a lot, and these features need to be used. They just have been launched. But I know it's difficult, and we've spoken about it a minute ago, to make predictions. Werner said it this morning. Everyone says it. It's clear to everyone that we're at the infancy of the stage of the revolution, the Gen AI revolution. But what can you tell us as the GM of SageMaker that it's going to happen in the next six months for SageMaker in particular? Well, there are many other things we're working on. So, for example, we also one thing that we didn't get to talk about today is SageMaker Studio, oh, yeah. which is our you know single pane of glass for doing machine learning. So, we've launched you know just yesterday a completely new redesigned version of SageMaker Studio that is much faster and it has new you know ID options. And so, we're also focusing on developer efficiency. So okay. in addition to these improvements, we are continuing to work on enabling more Gen AI-powered development experience. We've now, SageMaker Studio comes with Code Whisperer built-in, which our customers and, and developers can use to auto-generate code and code recommendations with natural language. We've got Jupyter Lab as an ID option within SageMaker Studio. Now we have Jupyter AI integrated in it. Oh, okay. So which provides a chat interface through which you can connect it to any Gen AI model to do, you know, execute other code-related tasks such as, you know, explaining code or debugging code, etc. So I think you can expect that we'll continue to enhance the developer experience and make it more efficient, improve developer efficiencies through Gen AI-powered development experiences. From the conversations that you've had with clients here and not necessarily here on site, but uh, in general lately, any new use cases in which a SageMaker has been applied for that have surprised you or that you didn't expect coming? Any new verticals that are onboarding the Gen AI experience with SageMaker? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, with Gen AI models, we've all seen how broadly applicable they are. Yeah. They can solve all kinds of different problems and you know, can be used for different tasks. But we're also starting to see more vertical-specific models being created. And many of these are being created using SageMaker. Mm -hmm. So, And this started with Bloomberg creating the Bloomberg GPT model, which is optimized for financial services, and that was trained on, on SageMaker. We have other healthcare AI startups who are creating more healthcare-specific large language models on SageMaker as well. In fact, Hippocratic AI is an AI startup that they're building a healthcare LLM, and they've actually they're building it on SageMaker Hyperpart. They've been a great oh, beta okay. customer. Yeah, we're starting to see more both task-specific as well yeah. as you know vertical-specific Gen AI models being built, and we're super excited to see all kinds of 
other problems our customers will solve with Gen AI. Yeah, because and again, going back to the ability to pick the right model, when that barrier is pushed down, then what we've got is a plentitude of options for which we will eventually, or SageMaker will eventually help us pick the best choice and then fulfill the specific tasks that the vertical in which our company operates has to provide a service or, or a company. So it's absolutely brilliant, Like to be honest. I think what SageMaker is one of the killer products that AWS has, and AWS has plenty of products out there. But yeah, the fact that it can... And it's almost an end-to-end solution. I mean, I don't know if SageMaker actually helps collect data. That would probably be the only area at which of the ML ops uh, sort of like life cycle in which I don't know if SageMaker actually does anything, but the rest is completely covered. Yeah, well, we do have SageMaker <laughs> Ground Truth, which helps customers, you know, label and annotate data. And, okay. prepare, and we also have data preparation tools such as SageMaker Data Wrangler for data prep stage of the machine learning yeah. life cycle. So we, we do have some data-specific tools as well. And it's a complete end-to-end solution, and it's absolutely brilliant. So I'm really happy that is prepared for the scale. You were already prepared, of course, as you mentioned in the background of, it's in the DNA of AWS by need and by philosophy of the company providing solutions for the largest customers in the world. So I'm really glad that you joined us for today's episode. If anyone wants to know more about SageMaker, where should this person look for more information? Yeah, so for our latest releases, launches, we have a press release that we've published. So I would encourage folks to look at that. And then also feel free to just go to the AWS website and browse to the SageMaker page to learn more about our features. Anka, thanks so much for being with us. All the best with this product. 